This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brown. What's up? Oh, nothing. (laughs) Everything. How are you? I'm great. So I know we've talked a lot about my self-care routine, things that I need to do for me. Yes. It's been a work in progress. I feel like we've come to like some good conclusions. Lighthousing. Yes. Working out. Still still going strong. (laughs) Flowing through my day, seeing what comes to me. It's great. Um, But my sister and I share a birthday. We're two years apart. On the same day. Same day. But she sent me a belated birthday gift. Like it came a little late. She sent me one thing and then followed with another thing which was a surprise i technically knew it was coming but because she was like there's another little thing that's coming but i forgot and then it came so fun surprise it was a nice little treat um so it's something that she created for herself so she's a business owner in philadelphia and owns a comedy theater good good comedy theater check it out if you're there i went and it was awesome so much fun so good um she and her boyfriend aaron run the space and it's amazing but she obviously as a business owner has a lot of responsibilities and so um it's one of those things that for her we, we work through things a little bit differently. Like, she kind of has a lot of your vibe. Yeah. So. I feel that. <laughs> when we're together, I feel like we're kindred spirits. Yes. Um, so she did started something for herself where she made a calendar and gave herself a gold star every time she did something that was just for her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and she had shared it on her Instagram and, like, you know, did some fun things. And we had talked about it on the phone. And I was like, I love this so much. And I feel like that's such a nice thing to do for yourself, especially to get in the habit of it, I think, to create a calendar where it's like I'm forcing myself or, again, goal-oriented, focus, like you need to make it a habit. She's still a Taurus. Like, let's not forget. True. (laughs) So I think that it was wonderful that she ended up sharing this with me. I don't know if it was because... I told her that I liked it or if she has been listening to these episodes and Mm -hmm. understands my struggles that I've been dealing with lately in giving myself time for me. Mm -hmm. And so not only did she put, you know, the calendar in there, plus like she made her own for me, plus uh, the list, like note cards of what each activity is um, that like count as worthy of a star. Oh, I love that. That is super cool. Which is super cute. (laughs) A pack of stickers. But she also included face masks and some hair stuff that we love. Nice. Um, R&Co blowout balm. It's the best thing that you'll You have talked about that. It's the best. I've seen it multiple places. So it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm going to put this on my fridge and I'm going to start giving myself stars because I think this is something that will kind of get me in that habit of on a daily basis. Am I doing something for me? And I loved when she had shared, she posted a photo on her Instagram where she like showed the the calendar after a month and there were some good days and there were some bad days and then there were some like really 
intense days. And yeah. so, like, the things that she put on the list of, you know, going to the gym, doing a workout, talking to a friend on the phone, doing a face mask, it's stuff that's, like, personally fulfilling to you. So you can kind of, like, craft it to yourself. But I keep telling her things because, again, like, we've talked about this where it's, like, we always go overboard and we're, like, how can we make this a thing that we can share with everybody? <laughs> and I'm like, let's make these things profitable for you. Let's create it. We're going to package it. We're going to sell it. That kind of goes back to what we talked about in our hobby episode of what stays in the hobby world and what goes on to the employment world. And also why I need to, you know, sit back and maybe give myself a face mask and chill the F out. Yes. Yeah. So that that's what I'm going to do after we chat today i think that's great and i love i love that it's a calendar so like i'm a very visual person and i think seeing it like i have a ton of lists and stuff but being able to see it on the calendar i feel like is super helpful it takes it one step further of not just acknowledging it doing it but then like kind of giving yourself the mini reward that is a gold star of saying like yes you know this is a thing that's going to help you like we're putting it there and I can see it and I did it and I feel good about both having done it and being able to see that I did it. I think for me too, if there was a moment, I haven't started it yet, but like if there were a couple days where there were a strong no star moment, that would be a red flag. To Motivating me. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Be to, like, to get it done. Because then you do off. that like little check in with yourself too and you're like, wow, I guess I do really like you might think like it's fine, like I'll get to it. But then if you like sit for a beat and really figure out where you're at you're like I probably could use a day yeah and I think if you're ever working on something this doesn't have to be like self-care motivated but anything if you're trying to build a habit having something that keeps you accountable is a really great way to like get it down and make it happen for you yes absolutely that's great I think I might ask Kate to also send me a care package of self-care calendar and stuff well maybe for your birthday maybe for my birthday so this week for me, I know a couple weeks ago I talked about mine and Chell's like outing to do the capsule wardrobe thing. And it was so fun. If you haven't listened to E18, it's all in there in my update. Um, but so I know this might feel a little redundant, but it made me feel good too, like that validating feeling kind of a thing. So there was an article on Man Repeller um, about the Eileen Fisher, the system that I touched on in the capsule wardrobe episode from like episode 11 episode 11 and oh yeah episode 11 and um the woman who did it is their beauty editor so like clothing is not her like part of the man repeller world and she loved it and she loved it they gave her like a two-week trial with it or two months one of the two but long enough where she could really like get into what the system is and what it is it's an eight-piece um, wardrobe that's like tanks, uh, dress, skirt, pant, shell of some kind, and just in black and white. And I think there might be other colors too, but I think it's just black and white. But she loved it. And I think she and I, I felt like I could kind of navigate with her <laughs> because she was like, did it get boring? No, because she changed up the jewelry in the bag. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's my dream is to have like 
a bunch of black and white clothes and all I need to do is worry about my jewelry. And she's like, I didn't feel self-conscious that I was wearing the same stuff every day. Like no one said anything about it. It was just, it was just awesome. And she does note that it's pricey as we talked about in E11, but it was nice to see out in the wild someone having had done it. Like the execution of the thing that you mentioned. Yes. Like I know that this exists, but then someone breaking it down, like here is how it's done. Yes. And I think what I liked about it is like the thing about the capsule wardrobe is it's a lot of work that you do. Like as you heard when, when Chell and I went out, it was like we had to really think about like what are we getting and what do we need and all these things but the system does all of that work for you Mm -hmm. so I think that's what I really like about it and again like she notes I think a pair of pants was like $230 and like um, the shell is like also very expensive and stuff like that it's definitely out of my price range but it's something that I'm like hmm maybe maybe someday I can maybe get a piece of could you create your own version of this in your Sydney budget friendly Absolutely. Lifestyle. Absolutely. And that's something else that's touched on in the article is that um, she could find these other pieces in a much, like, more budget-friendly world. Um, But she's like, the system is just great (laughs) because it's the material, it's everything. But, yeah, it's definitely possible to find all these things um, in your own price range. But I just love that. Like, that's my update because it was nice to see something that I am so excited about kind of done again in the wild by um, a company that I really respect. I think it's really helpful, too, to just have someone show how it's implemented. You can talk about it all day, but, like, let me see it on you. Right. Right. Exactly. So I really enjoyed that. So we'll share that article, too. So if you're still still thinking about your capsule wardrobe, this can serve as a resource. Yeah. I'm still – I don't think I'm doing it right. (laughs) But (laughs) that's okay. We can figure that out. But I do find myself mixing and matching things more than I used to. So I think because we've talked about it enough. You're conscious of it. I'm conscious of it. And I'm also like, what would this jacket look good? Like, could I rework this with this? And so I'm having less of a tendency because, again, when spring, summer comes around, I'm like, ooh, what new things can I buy? Right. And so I'm really... When we started planning the podcast a year ago, I was in... This is the start of my refresh. Wow. A year ago this time. And now we're at a year. And we're here. So I feel like that's a, a mode that is kind of top of mind for me of like, you you did the restart. You, yes. You have everything you need. Now use it. So this <laughs> is helpful. put it into practice. This is helpful for me too because... Then I'm like, ooh, remotivated to yeah. like stay on top of it and not spend money on clothes that I already have in my closet. Exactly. And that's like the best part is when you can refine slash rewear slash repair something um, with something else. It just it feels it feels good. It feels yeah. like, oh, I guess I didn't need to go out and buy a whole new whatever just to feel this sense of difference in my wardrobe. Love it. Yes. What's on the inspiration train? Today, I thought you were going to say Inspiration Station. I was like, ooh, yeah, Inspiration Station. But Inspiration Train works, too. <laughs> well, maybe in next next episode, Inspiration Station. station. <laughs> so because this... we're all for the cheese. <laughs> love, love cheese. Um, 
This week, for me, firstround.com article on the Food 52 founders. So it's called How Food 52 Strikes a Winning Balance Between Content and Commerce. And so firstround.com is a lot of the like how-to around business building and maintaining and all of those things. And they also are like a venture capital firm, but they, they provide this great blog for business owners or people that are interested in learning about how businesses like they're they're like inner workings not just like what they present to the world but the inner everything i need to sign up for their newsletter i love it and it's like it's just i just enjoy it a lot um so this was a great like i can't i know i think every time we do this um this part of the podcast i I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever read, ever. And it's always true, and it's not any less true this time. So what I really enjoyed about this article is that, again, because of the way that First Round works, they do a really strong deep dive into like how all of the wiring happens within a company. And so if you don't know, Food52 is an e-commerce slash like community site. Um, and they have built this, like the article says, winning balance between the content on their their website and the commerce, so what they're selling. And they talk about how they built their success on meaningful connections that drove people to purchase from the commerce side of the site. And and I'm we're gonna share it and I could go and probably do a whole episode just around this article because they talk about data, they talk about social media, they talk about commerce, they talk about relationships, they go into so many facets of what makes Food 52 a super successful company. And the two founders that they interview really talk about how they were they were called to and continue to be devoted to the community and engagement within that community and how that has really driven the sales of what they sell on the site. So they're using all of the products within, like they have recipes, they are really, really heavy into social media. Um, so social media and videos have been like a really big piece of why they're successful and they don't ever discount that. They fully understand where they're putting money into production definitely has a payoff. Um, And they say that even though they do have like a data analytics team, their social media team really are the people doing the analyzing of the data that comes in from the social media stream because it helps them pivot when they need to. So Mm -hmm. they're super close to all of what's happening there. And I think that that makes so much sense because if those people are producing the content and writing the content, then they should all also see how that content is performing. Um, their focus is on building a community and they talk about creating a long-term relationship with their customers. So it's not just like in, buy a bowl, leave, never come back. It is they find them through Instagram or, or Pinterest. They use their recipes. They see how they work. They engage with different community members and then they buy, but then they keep buying from them. I love too about the way that they... Everything that they do, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, but it's so seamless. And I feel like the way, as someone who does a lot of marketing in their day to day, and to see a content marketing strategy implemented in this way, and just like from a whole company standpoint, that's the foundation of what they do. It's 
so cool yeah. to see how everything is intentionally curated yes. to fit their brand. Yes. Like they know exactly who they are and what they're doing and what they provide. I think that's the most inspiring part of this article is that they are very sure of who they are. And they branding is not something that they've taken as the buzz phrase that it sometimes can be seen as. It is, it is the core of who they are yeah. and they use it as the brain of the whole operation. And I think... What is really cool is how they've done different takes on different things. So like on email, they've restructured to make sure they f- it feels like a magazine. Mm-hmm. So the layout is beautiful. There, there are no shortcuts taken with anything. And I think no matter where you are, like if you own a business, if you work for a business that like looks at these types of things, this is a really, really important article for you because the way that not only do they talk about it, but they break it down is really helpful. Even for me, who doesn't work in this at all, I not only just found it super interesting, but I was like, oh my God, what of this can I use in my work and what I'm doing? Um, they talk about being early adopters of all that's new with social media. So as soon as like the poll thing came out, they were using it. As soon as the zoom in came out, they were using it. And then they were like, okay, how will it do and is it working? If it's not working, we get rid of it. But at least we tried it because it's there mm-hmm. and it's there for us to use. And they also recognize that the places that they do best, Instagram and Pinterest, that's where they are. That's yeah. where they live. They don't try to diversify their social media offerings just because they're there. And I think that's kind of like social media 101 for companies. But the fact that they've stayed very true to that is really, really impressive. Yeah. If you want a case study of like, the peeps who are doing it the best, I think that they've rounded out a really well-oiled machine with what they do. Absolutely. And they talk in the article about other companies that have done similar things like Casper and Everlane. And there's a leather company that I can't pronounce, but I think it's Kiana. It's C-U-Y-A-N-A. Kuyana. Kuyana, I think. But it's a it's a leather goods company, uh, clothing and all that. And how all of those companies, including Food 52, are so human in their interaction with their community. Um, even if you don't know who's talking to you, it feels like it's a person. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do love Everlane for that reason. So it was kind of like, oh, that makes sense that they all kind of live by the same brand standards of making sure every piece of what they do is super, super curated, but never feels fake or forced. Um, So I loved, I loved this article. I'm very excited to read this because my favorite thing ever is understanding the inner workings. It, it, it really goes into it. Like, I expected this to be a fairly, like, short read. Um, but what I like about First Round is they do their due diligence and they really make sure that when you're walking away with some kind of advice or anything like that, you feel fully knowledged on whatever it was that they had promised you by the title of the article. Love it. So that was mine this week. What's yours? I feel uh, this is a good opportunity to remind everyone that you can find these links in our show notes Mm -hmm. at queenspeaking.com so fyi and if you subscribe it's in the show information if you click the info button oh good it's all a good reminder um we haven't mentioned that in a while on on the actual like in the meat of it but anyway (laughs) um so my article will also be linked we've talked about i think this is another brand that really does it well yeah um slash medium apartment therapy uh that exists within their scope of uh like home-based things Mm -hmm. this is the place that i go for all my advice um i think 
we all know that Maxwell, the CEO and founder, is ever present. Just <laughs> the most dynamic human being. My favorite part of the week is when on Instagram stories he talks about like his, you know, Maxwell's finds. Yeah. And the stuff that they're like, this is the best lamp for your desk. And here are like our three favorites. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to think about buying a new mattress. Like current status is that. My mattress is formed to my body shape. Oh. (laughs) And they say after whatever, like, seven or eight years, seven to ten years, it's time. And I'm realizing that it's time. (laughs) Because it's no longer, like, before I was like, oh, it's so cozy because it's me. (laughs) But then it's like, oh, no. It's like now I'm on the floor. (laughs) Now it's too, it's getting bad. So I'm starting to think about you know, finding the right option for what I need. Because I feel like mattress shopping, because you only do it, like, I've only done it once yeah. in my adult life at this point. Same. And so it's scary to think about, like, what do I pick? Now we have all these, like, mattresses in a box. Mm-hmm. And that seems very convenient for me in my apartment life. Super and I can, convenient. you know, lift it onto instead of going to the big box stores and finding something that I don't love. Not as not as convenient. Yeah. <laughs> and having to lay on the mattresses in under the fluorescent lights and being like, I don't know. I'm not sleeping here. Queer eye style. They did so, that on an episode. <laughs> true. So the benefit of having a mattress in a box is that you can do like a 100-day trial. Mm-hmm. Most of them, that's like the standard. Yeah. So that's kind of been in my mind. I hear all those ads for Casper on all the podcasts that I listen to. And so I was like, maybe I'll just buy a, a Casper because they're the ones who started it. Is this the one that I should get? Marketing works. But Maxwell did a dive in on apartment therapy and talked through his favorites. And like they did a whole article on the best mattresses in a box. And his favorite was the Lisa And that was because it has this, like, cozy wrapper that the mattress comes in. And so the cool thing about – they're, like, foam, and so they have, like, different layers. And so it all, like, helps conform to your body in an appropriate way. So, like, if you're a side sleeper, you should get this type of firmness. If you're a back sleeper, stomach sleeper, et cetera. So – that's, I think, is the hardest thing because you're like, how do I even make a good decision because I don't know what I'm even getting into. Right. And so to have someone break it down on, like, here's the benefit of this. And in his sense, he was, like, super cozy, loved the way it felt. Um, but they also donate a bed and plant a tree when someone buys a mattress. So there's more than just the mattress for you, like that feel good moment. Also, it's like the Tom's thing. Yeah. You know, like a feel good vibe. And I think that that's important to uh, buyers today. Mm-hmm. All of those things. I agree. And so the whole article, there's a lot that they dive into. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But I'm one for leaning into a recommendation wholeheartedly. Yeah. And so I Maybe I'm going to get the Lisa instead of the Casper. I don't know. We'll You're going to have to keep us posted. We got to keep keep that thought. And they're the same price. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I know. But you're right. So when you, it comes, like, from the recommendation comes from someone you trust, there is just this inherent want to follow that advice. Yeah. And I think that that is a great kind of, like, avenue to take because same price you can see all the lineups next to each other based on this article and then you can make an educated decision but that thing that tips you over the edge usually is like who is recommending it yeah someone i watch all the time i like all the information that's being presented to me so that i can make the right decision yeah 
but what do you and then like I'm probably gonna read four other articles before I think that and I think that's smart and what I like about apartment therapy and what they've done here and what they do every week on the Maxwell's picks is something that food 52 also talked about in this article of that like they don't exclusively talk about their own products especially because they don't make mattresses at apartment therapy right. so they ha- they would have nothing to talk about so I think like the the trust that the community feels because they're not just talking about their own stuff all the time is just that next step in making you feel like I really trust this person and this company because they're not just selling me something all the time that benefits them. They're also benefiting other people when they recognize that there are there is value to be had in seeing other things. So I personally have a tufted needle mattress. Oh, good so to know. So we did a box mattress when we first moved into the place that we're now moving out of. But um, and we love it. But I think I think there might be better out there. I will just say that. So I think that you're. Um, I I really I'm very cozy in my mattress. But I also know your bed is like softer. I think than my bed. I think I need a firmer mattress. Okay, so our, our mattress is like not like crazy firm, but kind of firm. So, um, but it's nice to see that they are acknowledged in the box mattress article. They are. That's good. Indeed. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Let's do it. Give it to me straight, Sid. What are we talking about today? So today we're talking about burnout. And burnout, I think, is something that we all kind of know well at this point in our lives. I think by nature of how tuned in we are to other people and how easy it is to access information about other people and how people kind of are talking so much about the work that they're doing and how much of it they're doing. It's hard. Being overwhelmed has transitioned into the new busy. Yeah. Like when you're having a conversation with someone, it used to be like, I'm busy, but I'm good. Yeah. And now it's like, I'm really overwhelmed. I've got a lot on my plate. And it's like, why? And then they're like, but I'm good. (laughs) And I feel like people are transitioning to this new path toward just always overdoing it yeah and i am a victim of this myself (laughs) but i think in terms of just like i'm i need to prove that i'm working hard and in that process they're burning out and that's a dangerous land to live in i and i think that's important because i agree with you like people are using overwhelm like a lot these days as well as busy as well as swamped and all of those things but i think And I imagine that they do feel that they are those things. I don't necessarily think you need to talk about it all the time. But I think a way that people are trying to combat burnout is by talking about it. Mm -hmm. And burnout is a thing that happens as a result of those things. So it's like one absolutely always leads to the next. And nobody's bragging about being burned out because it's really scary. And when it happens, it like takes you out of commission in a way. So I think like sometimes people feel a little braggy when they're like, oh, I'm so busy and I'm doing so many things. But when they get to the burnout point, nobody wants to talk about that because it is it it really the people I've seen burn out, it is not pretty. And it is like, ooh, ooh, you look a little like ooh. or you just don't see people for some length of yeah. time. So like the thing that you're bragging about leads to the thing that you don't even want to talk about because it's a really um scary place where you start to almost like fall in on yourself. Yeah, and when you're in this mode of like starting your career or just trying to work hard, it can easily lean into 
a very problematic space of mm-hmm. I'm doing too much and I don't know how I got here and I don't know how to get out. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think it's hard too because in a lot of ways our employers are, they're like, <clears throat> you don't deserve this job or in order for you to get promoted, you need to work harder or you need to do more. Right. And I think that element of like managers or companies pushing you beyond the state of and not recognizing or having conversations enough to like figure out how to how to work out of that a little bit is like that's like that's something that's important i think that we're going to get into it a little bit more specific specifically on how to navigate that yeah because it is challenging and i think there's an opportunity for us to reframe it so that we start building our own good habits so that when we do have conversations with people we set our own boundaries and we can do our jobs well and work as productive individuals and so when someone says hey what's up Sid you're like I'm good like I'm working on my hobby I'm working on my <laughs> hobbies feeling and great and I've got vacation next week yes all those things yeah but I think you know you and I have talked about this a lot because it's something important for us to pay attention to because it as you were saying it can easily snowball into something very traumatic, whether it's, you know, severe health problems like insomnia or extreme exhaustion. It can even, like, if you really don't get a handle on it, it can lead into depression. Yeah. And so that's that's really a scary place to be and just to have it be because you're, like, trying to do it all. Right, right. And I think that there is, like, this mentality that it is millennials that are experiencing this more often. I don't think that that's untrue. I actually can see that happening. I think maybe different generations handled things differently or had like a space to not get to this point probably. And if if they did, they handled it differently and didn't talk about it in the way that we talk about it today. But I think, you know, I read a few different things that people were saying, like when they started to go into the workforce in 2008, there was a recession. So you were either really lucky to get that job or you were super, super replaceable. So this mentality of saying like, I needed to just be there all the time just to show that I was super committed and I was because doing it. And I could instantly get fired and if this company doesn't grow, it's on my back. Exactly, exactly. And like, in all of those things kind of lead to what people are experiencing now, which is that like, that burnout and what how that presents itself I think is different for a lot of people. But... I think it's easy to, like, both of us kind of lived in that space too. So... When you think about it in that sense of, you know, how that recession had such an impact, I never really made that connection until talking it out. Right. In that sense where, like, it does make so much sense for us to have, you know, yes, we had to prove ourselves then, but that's the habit that we got into. And Mm -hmm. so now that, you know, the unemployment rate is at its lowest, like, we're all doing okay and everything's fine and then we're we're feeling like the economy's okay for right now. Yeah. But we're still pushing harder than we ever have and we've never broken, like, we've never trained ourselves to ease out. Ease up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I ask myself, like, you know, that question about other generations and how did they process. And I think this serves to be a conversation with people, at least like that are in my parents' age range and like people that are in the in between my parents' age and my age. Like, mm-hmm. I think that falls into like the 50 year old range. And just asking, like, are you feeling this way? Like, how was it when you, like, 
people are all working right now. So just because they're not the same age, like, are they experiencing that sense of overwhelm that leads to that sense of burnout? Like, what does that look like for you? Do you feel a different type of stress because of millennials, like, kind of coming on up? And I think sometimes now I'm seeing the Gen, what is it, Z, Gen X, all the other ones that are, like... They're coming for you, millennials. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, is this how other generations felt when we were coming into the workforce? And like, how do they deal with that? And mm-hmm. are they hustling harder? And are they experiencing this now too? I don't think it really like, I don't think it's just for one generation, but I think the way that every generation handles it is different. So those are some questions that like, I would want to ask the people that are older than me. Like, how are they feeling? And how are they doing it? Yeah, I also think about, the kids who are like coming out of college right now yeah. and what the world is like. Because at this point, both of us have been out for a while. Yeah. And so to think about my intern, like what is life like? Yeah, like talk to me. <laughs> it is. It's a really interesting conversation. And maybe we should stop saying, hey, older generation, be scared of the new generation. But maybe it's, okay, what are we, we all experiencing? And how can we all work together? <laughs> I think that's the important part of the conversation because a lot of times it's like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what? You couldn't tell on my face? Yeah. And it's like, no, I just thought you were always like this. And you're like, oh, <laughs> maybe you should change your face. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm excited to get into this today because it's something that I think affects a lot of people. Um, and we are going to talk about identifying it, how you kind of combat it yourself and what you should be doing to avoid it. And then what companies can do to help support their employees avoiding burnout. Done deal. Doing it. Are we ready to speak at Queens? We are. All right. Let's do it. So we're getting technical. Yeah. Identify. Identify <laughs> what it is. Yes. Uh, and in this situation, we turn right to the professionals. We have to. <laughs> you have to because this does have a very strong sense of like, okay, what do the psychologists say? <laughs> yeah. And for people that think this is a made up thing. I'm I'm actually excited to talk about this because I do think there are a good number of people that think this is just like you're just tired, like suck it up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if it's tired as much as it feels like I'm literally breaking. Like so for the people that maybe think this is something that people are coming up with to bitch more about other things, like there is a lot of science behind all of this and like the psychology behind this exists and it is a thing that we're talking about because it's not just prevalent, but it is um avoidable mm-hmm. and it is something that is real. So it's not just something that people made up for fun. And we all need to put our mental health priority numero uno. Truth. That means number one in Spanish. <laughs> for for the people that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't learn that on Sesame Street. Um so the American Psychological Association's David Ballard, he described job burnout as an extended period of time where someone is experiencing exhaustion and a lack of interest in things, resulting in a decline in their job performance, mm-hmm. as well as chronic stress. Yeah, so that, scary. that is so scary. <laughs> and I think it's important to note that burnout kind of spans your physical, your mental, your emotional well-being. So you can feel like physically fine, like it doesn't necessarily take a toll on your physicality, but you feel like that means you can keep powering through, but your emotional state or your mental state might be the one that's kind of like on the edge a little bit more than you might imagine it is. Mm -hmm. So I think like 
exhaustion, lack of interest in things, like those can span all parts of what make you a person, I think, in a lot of ways. And that chronic stress might attack a different part of your body than um, you might be tuning into on a regular basis. And one of the things that I saw that I that I really enjoyed because I I never considered this was that this the author of this article was talking about why she was confused that she was burnt out because she, while she was like going a thousand miles an hour and but she was happy so she was like have she was drinks with friends she was brunches on the weekend she was working really well like she was like killing it at work and she was doing yoga and she was running marathons like she was doing these things that like in her mind like this is what it means of like it might not show up in the same way um to you that it might in someone else like physically mentally emotionally she thought she was living her life to the fullest like in quotes because i think (laughs) that's a scary term as well like i'm living my life to the fullest i'm doing it all like isn't that mean that i'm happy (laughs) doesn't do you stop yeah and 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 she so she is a younger person so she's like isn't this what i'm supposed to be doing as a younger person is taking advantage of the fact that i'm a younger person and have the ability like just living free right like she's single she doesn't have kids like she has the ability to go and do whenever wherever and then she burnt out and this article is great because she really really identifies within her wording what it meant to her to burn out and she couldn't get out of bed and she couldn't she didn't care about anything so I think the difference there like when we talk about the physical emotional mental is like you might physically be able to get there but like how are you feeling or you might physically not be able to go to work because of that burnout Mm -hmm. but mentally you're like I feel fine though it's weird that my body doesn't want to do anything but I feel fine like so it's it's it kind of shows up differently for everybody but this woman really does a good job of um explaining through like I don't know this person but I could see I could visualize what she was going through by nature of how she wrote about it and I think once again that space of like when you get in the habit of doing something, if you're always going 100 miles an hour all the time, you transition, the like transition into stage one of burnout is I have to do this instead of I want to do this. Right. And that's a that's a space where when it comes to the burnout stage, you have to be able to identify the the moments of like, ooh, I should pay attention to this. Or like, have I stopped? Have I taken a break for myself? And I can totally vouch and say that I've been in this before. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. It's scary. Because you don't recognize yourself anymore. Like, when you've hit the point of going too far and you can't physically do anything or mentally get past the fact of just how tired you are and you don't know why you keep saying that you're tired when that's not, like, maybe a usual thing for you, like... I know maybe if you're starting a business and all your want is is to get that business up and running, but you don't realize that the expense of that is you. (laughs) And at some point you hit a wall and then you don't recognize yourself anymore. And what does that do for the business that you're building? And I'm not saying take a vacation in the first year of business because I don't think that's always possible for people who are building something. But within that first year, understand that like nothing will happen if you can't physically be there and do it. So to like understand like you said what are those first nuggets of like i might be getting there this might be a place that i don't want to get to and Mm -hmm. like being able to identify those things um 
as problem areas. For sure. So. so how how is it? I think this is another important piece is how do you define the difference between burnout and depression? Yeah. So I thought, because that's where my questions started to come in. I'm like, well, burnout seems a lot like depression from what I know about it, which is not a whole, whole lot, but that's when you read and you learn and you find more information. And I think the major difference, even though there are overlapping sim- symptoms, the main difference is that burnout is mostly work-related, while depression shows up in every part of your life. So it can show up at work for sure, but it also shows up when you're with what would usually recharge you or make you feel good. So if you're around friends and family or your hobbies and what you're doing that usually helps you kind of like walk away from work and feel better, you still don't feel good. So that is where depression starts to be identified versus just something like burnout that lives with you maybe after you leave work, but is happening because of work. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was a good distinction to make if you're feeling some type of way and you want to start to really figure out what is going on. Yeah, I think that that's very important because you do feel, again, from a mode of been there, it is that like, I don't want to do anything. But it's also like you need to give yourself that space to get out of that leaning toward depressive state Yeah, where you're so overwhelmed. Well, like that kind of feels like the last stage where you're like, I can't do it. (laughs) Right, right. Like, I can't physically do anything. Yeah. Um, There was a 2016 study on burnout out of the University of Zurich and Leipzig from Science Daily, where they talked about employee burnout was caused by a mismatch between a person's unconscious needs and the opportunities and demands at the workplace. So, like, those things don't don't go together at some point. And And starting to recognize, like, when that's happening is really important. And I read this, I'm going to pull out my phone, which you can't see, but if I pause, that's why. Um, There was a great editor's letter in the recent article or in the recent Post magazine that's a local out of Rochester. And the editor, Amy Calabrese Metcalf, had this quote in there about flow, specifically like the scientific definition of flow. And I'm going to read it because I can't remember it, but it's a state of being in which a perfect balance exists between the challenge at hand and the skill required to do it. So that is how this um, psychologist defined flow. And I think flow is different than burnout, where like burnout is like you're making yourself. You're like a steam engine just and you just keep there's coal and then you run out of coal and you're like oh my gosh I have to maintain the same speed exactly what do I do exactly it's that have to mentality where flow is like you're in and there's a reason people say they're in the flow and it's it's because they're just they're going and they're it's almost like this zen thing that you're if like sometimes when I'm like stuffing envelopes that's a flow I don't necessarily love doing that but there's a moment where I'm just like I've got a system I'm feeling good I'm flowing through my system it is the moment where you're like I really can't do this anymore and you keep going Mm -hmm. that's where burnout is going to show up for you yeah i so i think it's important then now for us to talk through how to avoid it or in the sense of if you're in it how do you get out yeah because that's always like kind of a a difficult topic of like especially if you've been there, you're like, how do I turn the corner? What is it that I can do differently to to make adjustments? And I think the first thing is to stop 
You just have to totally stop. stop and reassess everything. And I think it does come a little bit down to like talking about time management and not overloading yourself because especially if we're talking about this in the context of a work environment, and if you created the habit of just constantly going and adding more to your plate and doing more and work projects and this and that, figuring out how to not overload your day and set priorities so that you can be re- realistic about the time that's actually available to you and taking breaks to refresh your mind. And this will help you to like kind of remanage the system that you've created for yourself. And I know that we've talked a lot about this where it's like doing that 50 minute or hour and a half project time and then that 10 or 20 minute break. Mm -hmm. And those things will help kind of create a new system in your workday. And again, prioritize. Yeah. One of the things that I had to do was actually just have a conversation about like, what, what are should I be doing? Right. And then it's like, I've been doing things that have literally nothing to do with me achieving my goals. Right, right. But I thought that it was important because when I started, it was necessary. Or like, I've just kind of gotten into the flow of like, this is just what I do. Right. This is my Monday activity. I'm doing it. Right. Instead of really stepping back and, and asking the question of like, what's going to help me achieve my goals? What are the priorities here? What do you need me to accomplish by this date? And that helps you pull things off of the calendar that don't need to be there or can be delegated to someone else to do. Um, So I think that's a great way to like, when you start to feel like everything is at a 10 all the time and you can't figure out why you feel like you're on the verge of tears all the time, you're like, maybe I should assess and talk to the person that is helping me through my day or assigning tasks for me. What needs to rise to the top? What needs to be done this month versus six months from now? Mm -hmm. Like really figuring out what the priority is. And that does all kind of live in the time management world. One of the things that I loved reading, but also fully agree with, is taking freaking time off. Like, take time off. Even and if don't it's feel just bad about it. one day. If yeah. you take a Wednesday out, do like a midday, like I'm going to get a massage, yeah. whatever. Yes. Use the paid time off that you are given by your organization. Yes. And this, and it's interesting, like the difference between us as, and again, like I don't always love identifying by generation, but I do think it's important in this conversation a lot of times that like the difference between us as millennials and maybe someone like boomers is millennials won't take time off, whereas boomers did. So even if you're working really hard, you're working at the same pace, you're doing all the same things, but some people are actually taking their time off and some people aren't by nature of like how they feel about their work output, then like that is going to affect your burnout rate. Like that's going to affect how many of your employees feel like they're breaking um, because some of your people feel very good about saying like, hey, I'm taking this week off because it's my time and it's time that I've earned by nature of the work that I'm doing. And some people feel like, let me just like, I, let me save it for a rainy day because I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I can do so much right now. <laughs> and you're like, maybe you shouldn't though. So I think really having that moment of like checking whatever your PTO balances and saying like, I've got nothing that is pertinent in the next couple of weeks. Let me see if I can take two, maybe three days off. I think also planning, I read something that said that you should plan in advance, like look at your calendar mm-hmm. six months ahead and set it and have a conversation with your manager of like, because if it's there and it's on your calendar, you know you have to take it. Yeah. Um, that helps kind of 
create the mode of this is important for me and we're going to plan accordingly. Because if it's a little bit further out, that helps everybody plan for everybody, you know, anticipate it. Because I think the expectation is that if you take vacation time or like the the myth or what people convince themselves of by not using their vacation time is like, you're not working hard. You won't get promoted. If you're not here every day, someone else is going to take your job. Right. It's such a scary place to be because it isn't just the people who hustle who are the ones that are going to get promoted, but those are the people. Like, I think there is a culture that's been, a bad culture habit that's been established of like people who overwork themselves are the ones that get the raises and the promotions. And when you see that happen, you're like, okay, what that's, am I doing wrong? That's too much for me. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. Or do, like, is that important to you? But I don't know. I think that's something that makes me nervous. And like, I've heard, I've seen and heard a lot of people who are like, I haven't taken a vacation in two years. And there's a sense of pride, apparently, with that that I think is also a little mismatched because the pride in that is that do you feel good that you are showing up all the time every day? All like, And how do you feel about your coworkers who are taking vacation? And how is that showing up in the way that you're interacting with those people? Like, so true. Are you, create, are you part of the problem by saying, like, I haven't taken a vacation in so long? Do you have any acknowledgement for the way that might be taking or the way that might be um, showing up for the people that are and, and how they feel? And that self-awareness around like what that might look like. And somebody's going to go home and be like, well, I took a week off. I must be the worst. Right. Like I think that if your company is promoting a culture of saying, I haven't taken a vacation in two years, that's not okay. But what's also not okay is how are you contributing to the culture of that as well? Are you proud of that because of what your company said? And are you making someone else feel bad? Another thing that comes into play is that there's a fear of taking vacation time because you're putting that effort in in advance before you head out of town and that takes so much time and then coming back to a pile of work. Mm -hmm. So it's like people are resistant to feeling like I can take vacation time because I need a mental break, but the time and energy I have to put into doing my work before I go and when I come back, that's so overwhelming. Yes. And we need to shift our mentality into we need that break to chill out and setting expectations with your manager, having that conversation in advance where you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm taking vacation this time. We've, you know, we talked about setting the precedent. I'm going to be on vacation six months from now. How do we set my priorities in a realistic way for this month? Because we know I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And, or like, what is it that you can do in a more manageable way? Like, especially if you're in a goals-driven organization, that's where you need to say to yourself and to your manager, I think that this is the most important piece, too, is like having that conversation with your manager, because if you're setting the precedent and they're setting the precedent that vacation time is necessary, then the things that you're doing on a day to day basis should be flexible as well. And it's scary to me because I think there are a lot of people that are at the beck and call of their manager or their team or their clients. And that's just something that they'll come to expect of you. So Mm -hmm. if you're 
you know, taking time away um, from your vacation to answer emails, they're going to keep emailing you. So leave your laptop at home, take the time for you, relax and treat your vacation as the relaxing environment. Don't you know, burnout mode, your vacation mode. <laughs> so it it's one of those things that you will end up coming back refreshed and can handle that potential, you know, pile up that, you know, people anticipate. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I like to do when I'm on vacation is have the day I get back also be like kind of like I'm still not here day. Yes. Right. Like, so that's all email for me. (laughs) So that's me digging through my email. That's and that's I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like if you're an employer who's listening, you're like, but you're back at work. I'm like, and I'm working. And if something's on fire, obviously, like, I'll stop to help. But I also think, like, having that, like, I'm not really here day to dig back in so you're not feeling like when you're still on vacation, you have to do, like, pre-work work doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, you're back at work, you're going through email, you're answering ones that need to get taken care of. But as far as the pop-ins, and this is if you're in a work, like if you're in an office environment where people like can pop in on you, I think that there is something to be said to just like give that person a day to like get back at it. Yeah, no, don't put any meetings on your calendar, give yourself some time to work through the email and the projects that, you know, if there's things that are later on your calendar, you need, you, you're gonna need that time to do those things. And right. um, I did that with my last vacation. And it, I was like, I figured it out. I got the system. (laughs) This is awesome. The other thing, too, is like give yourself, if you're getting in late, maybe take another vacation day. If you have the, the liberty to do this, it is really wonderful. Like take a day so that you can do all the unpacking, all the laundry. Yes. Because we flew in. We landed early. And we're home by whatever, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I had that whole day still as a PTO day. But I did laundry. I went to the grocery store. I did all the things that like somehow end up making everything feel overwhelming. It's like, give yourself time. Yeah. To just like get back in the right mentality. For sure. One of the things that I thought was an interesting way to consider avoiding burnout that I didn't think about before was thinking about if moving up the ladder of your company is is like really what you want to do. And is it worth sacrificing like your outside life? Like if what you're doing to move into a leadership position or if you're in a leadership position that's looking to take another step to another leadership position, like is this the company that you want to do that at? Now, I don't mean to say that in a sense of like dial it back to 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 not work hard or not complete tasks or anything like that. But I thought that was an interesting take on avoiding because if you're if you're not looking to move up in the at the company that you're at, or if you're not really considering a leadership position of some kind, like take that into consideration when you are feeling the way that you're feeling. If you think that you're like a speeding train toward the burnout wall. And, and I think that goes back to setting priorities and talking about your personal goals and things like that. When you're considering if you're making a move to maybe a different company and you're thinking about, like, is the culture here really the one that I want to burn out at? Like, mm-hmm. really thinking about your company as a whole and not just your role within that company is a super important thing to consider if you're feeling like you're in this burnout world. I think it's also the expectation, like, yeah, you want to be a manager. Yeah, you should go up. Uh, 
for that next promotion? Are you pushing yourself hard enough? Like, why do we, why in a company culture are we pushing people toward things that may not necessarily reflect their best suits or right. their talents or the things that they're good at? Because, like, maybe you are just a great software engineer and you should just keep being a great software engineer. Right. And I think that goes back to, like, the way that companies are set up in general for promotions and raises and things like that. And that's a totally different topic. But I agree. Like, like think about what you want your role to be within the company. And if burnout comes with you being a manager of some kind, then that's a conversation with your boss. Or if burnout comes when you've got too much added to your plate, that's a conversation with your boss. But I think one of the things this article specifically talked about is maybe burnout is a signal you're ready for a different company, or maybe it's the signal you're ready for a different type of role. Um, And unless I guess that pressure you're experiencing is like kind of self-inflicted, but if it's coming at you from the company perspective, then that is a is a time to take a minute and figure out like maybe this isn't the right place for me if um, if that's what's coming at you a hundred percent of the time. Because you should also have a definition of your advancement path in your own way. Absolutely. If you can achieve all of those things at a company, one company awesome Mm -hmm. that's very rare so the minute that you're like what are your personal goals what are the the moments that you're like hey i'm not learning i'm not challenged anymore okay that means something right right. don't keep pushing yourself to try and make it happen it's like being in a bad relationship it's It's so break the chain so much like that i didn't even consider that and i think like you keep thinking it'll get better but it never does and you can't figure out why it's not getting better because you're putting so much effort into getting it to get better (laughs) and like all of a sudden you can't get out of bed in the morning like it's so so similar to that i never i never thought of it like that yeah and i think that's a hard place to get especially when you're so accustomed to like i think something that comes up is that, and this might be another conversation that we have, is about, you know, your career is your identity, your identity is your career, or, or like talking about our hobbies conversation most yeah. recently of like, what is the filling that pie chart of your life and happiness? And if 100% of the, the pie chart is that you're in work mode, that's scary. That's scary. That means you're about to hit burnout or fully in, immersed in it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, I think another thing as far as like how how to avoid this in, in the sense of things that you can do for yourself, um, first and foremost, is that you need to put yourself first. Yeah. Um, having that moment where I know when I hit the burnout wall – one of the things I did for myself was take a PTO day. I took a vacation day, which we just finished talking about as important. <laughs> important to do. Um, but it's a lot of times it's often feeling like there's too many things on your plate and mm-hmm. that feeling of overwhelm and I'm busy and I'm burnt out. It's because everything is a have to instead of a want to. And so taking a day for yourself, take a personal day where you can just, you're like, I just am overwhelmed because I haven't gotten to the grocery store. I have seven loads of laundry that I need to do. So true. So take a day. Instead of taking a weekend day where you can, like, do the thing for you that's fun. That's going to fill you back up. Sometimes chores, they're called chores for a reason. They suck. And so maybe you need to take a day where, hey, this is a personal day. I'm, you know, staycationing it in a not-so-fun way at my house and getting everything cleaned up. 
maybe it's hiring a cleaning lady yeah. just for this one time to like get you back on track get back on track i will yeah and i agree with that i think one day i took i at a different this is at a different job um i worked with people a lot of people who had families and i remember asking to take a half day on a friday to just like get myself together at the time i lived in a studio apartment i did not have a family i didn't have any kids i didn't even have a boyfriend at the time and somebody looked at me like really you need a day and i was like well, I guess not. But I think I also recognized that like at the time I was running races and I was running pretty consistently. So a lot of my weekends were taken up with races and things like that. And I felt that moment of like not feeling like my apartment was clean and not feeling like I had anything in my fridge to eat at the end of the day. And like, I I, I was shamed for needing a minute to like collect myself. And I was working hard at my job, and I also, I think, had a, a job that maybe didn't wasn't viewed as as important as other jobs, and that was frustrating. And so I think, like exactly what you said, it doesn't always need to be a vacation, but sometimes your life, like the life things that start to pile up, really start to spill over in a way. And sometimes you just need a day to get all of that stuff sorted out, and that can be a way to alleviate the burnout. Totally. And then do the same thing when you get back to the office. Mm-hmm. Clear your calendar. Have a day to get all your priorities straight. Yes, exactly. That was the best thing I could do for myself. And if there's any advice that I have, it's that. Because it felt bad mm-hmm. ta- like clearing my calendar and being like, I'm not going to do the things that I had planned to do today. But it's like the minute that I set reset my prior took the time to reset my priorities and say here are the things that i need to do and here are all the things that fit within each of these buckets Mm -hmm. and here's the most important thing that i need to do i realized that everything i'd had planned for that day wasn't anything that fit these new priorities right so see you later (laughs) yeah and i think that that's actually something Obviously, that's a good thing to do on a yearly basis, but I think it's actually something people should do on a quarterly basis where yeah. it's like, what a, what am I working on? Because it's so easy for us to just keep trudging ahead. And if you don't take a minute to pause and be like, okay, what what are my priorities? Right. That's where you're like, I've just added 70 things to my plate that I should have said no to. And I think that goes back to that article talking about that girl who was doing everything at 100% and, like, couldn't figure out why she was burning out because she seemed so happy. I think another thing that we talk about is asking yourself why you're doing everything that you're doing. And I know burnout really relates a lot to work, but if you're also filling your calendar with a lot of other stuff, then work just feels that much more overwhelming because you are showing up 100% of the time outside of work as well as at work Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to say like okay am I trying to impress someone am I doing this out of fear am I going a thousand miles an hour to make sure I don't lose the momentum that I've that I've worked so hard to gear up for and once you're able to identify that why and like what's gotten you to this point and to feel the way that you're feeling you can start to like drill it down and then rebuild with things that actually feel good and not just like look good on either to the people around you look good like oh that's the friend that shows up to everything like go her she's the best but like is that the thing that's most important right now if you feel like you're breaking down inside um so i think that that goes perfectly with what you're saying around like what is the why like why are you pushing yourself to this point 
Yeah, and I think the reason people keep going is because they have this uh, this drive to not let anyone down or not yeah. let themselves down, their manager, their friends. And sometimes your friend or your manager will appreciate most when you have a frank conversation with them like, hey, it's too much for me. Can we take a, a peek at this and reassess? Right. I think another one as a way to avoid is to talk to someone. Um, I know that we've identified different opportunities to speak with therapists, career coaches. And again, in this article, I thought it was so good because she really, she went through how she got there and then how she rebuilt. And she even said in the article that she doesn't even feel like she's back to normal yet, but she's learning what will help her get back to normal. And the people that she talks about specifically is a therapist, a career coach, a doctor, like your GP. Like, is that a person who can help you? Like, maybe they can't prescribe you anything to help, but it's just someone to talk to about your well-being and your health. That's what you've asked them to to be for you. Um, and I thought that that was another piece that was super valuable is, is talking to a professional that can help you figure out what it is that you're feeling and help provide some tools to help slow down. I think that that's so important and so helpful because it's really easy to, as we talked about, some of the things that are the red flags are like, if you're feeling chronic stress, that's like inflammation, you're going to start getting sick. Mm -hmm. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it's just going to like you're never going to heal. And so you're just going to continue to feel awful all the time. And until you assess the root of the cause, you won't. What are you doing? Yeah, like you're not going to come out of this positively. And as you transition further into burnout mode, um, you keep feeling like you have to push forward. But until you stop, I remember I had three months where I had a cough. And it was just, I was like, I might be dying. I don't know what's happening here. Um, but it was because I just kept pushing myself. I never gave myself a chance to like, I was like, okay, I've laid, I've laid in bed. I did the thing that someone told me to do. I took a day. <laughs> it's like, take your sick days. If you're sick, take a sick day. And I think like that's the other thing with sick days is that I think when you can't get out of bed, but you don't have a head cold, you don't have a fever, but you can't get out of bed listen to that that's your body telling you you are freaking exhausted Mm -hmm. and then it 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 is on you to then go back to the beginning and figure out okay how did i get here what am i feeling what was i feeling two weeks ago that now has resulted in me being here and you have to go through every part of your life to figure out what that is and i think having a conversation with the professionals is what helps identify that like if you're so in the mode of going and you're like ooh this isn't okay. And then they ask you questions and they're like, ooh, yikes. (laughs) They're giving you that that look, that look. I know they're not, no one's, you know, from the medical professional isn't supposed to judge you, but they'll usually be like, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think so much of this is saying like, okay, you can talk about like what's caused it, but then you need to take the ownership of it and and you need to figure out how to get yourself into a healthy situation. Um, I think another one is just catching it early. And I think we've talked about that a little bit of like, what are you doing to identify it? Like you were talking about like this cough that was just kind of like ever present, but 
never really considered anything of it. It was just a cough. But like, if you're not a person that gets sick and it never got brought up to like the sickness level, but was just always there, like that's weird. That's not normal. So like listening to that before Mm -hmm. that cough has turned into you not showing up to work for a week because you just can't. And like, that's valid. Like the saying of just can't, like I just can't, like I don't know what else to tell you other than I just can't. There is then the next step of talking to a professional to say like, what does that actually mean? And like, what's happening in my body and my mind that's not allowing me to do the things that I'm normally able to do. So like that cough is catching it early. That like day that you just can't seem to get it together, that's catching it early. That's before it goes into this like full-blown scary place. So true. I think also there's a benefit of having the conversation with yourself about I feel like there's a lot on my plate right now. Yeah. I'm feeling overwhelmed. If you if that's like you woke up every day that week with that feeling, whether it's with yourself or with your manager, is there a way that we can reprioritize? How can we re- redefine the things that are important to me or the things that are important to my work? What do I need to put first? Right. Yourself, obviously. And so to ask these questions of yourself, that's the reframing moment of like, how do I get back in to like the mode of happiness and not just flying through stuff without, without experiencing it because everything that you do should be joyful. Yeah. And I think there's like this checking in with your friends too, because if they're your close friends or you see them on a fairly regular basis, they'll notice when something has shifted. And even if they're, if, even if you're still showing up for everything, you're still there for everything, but like, you're not as you as you usually are, even if you're physically there, like Somebody should say something about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I think as a, as a friend, everyone should step in and be like, is everything okay? Do you need to talk? Right, right. And it's that I think that's an important check-in moment for that person to say like, oh, if somebody's noticing, like, I'm, I'm here for everything, guys. Like, get off my back. Like, if someone's saying something to you, even though you're always there, and, he, and, and then, again, that next step of if they're not there anymore, and they usually are, like, those friend check-ins are super important to say, like, you're not really acting like yourself. Like, is everything okay? I just mm-hmm. want to make sure, like, that you're you're kind of you're there you're here with us and and those check-ins can be the thing that separates the person that keeps driving toward the brick wall and the person that like does a hard stop and and reevaluates and the hard stop is the scariest part but the most important part of getting through this because it's that moment where you're like nothing's wrong with me like i'm fine guys leave me alone i'm like but maybe everything's not fine. And again, it shows up in a totally different way than a regular sickness does. And worst case scenario is that it leads to serious sickness. Yeah. So like, do you really want to get there? Do you really want to get there? And then you're really not showing up for anything because you're ill. And then you're going to be pissed. So (laughs) you're like, I did this to myself. Right. Like, so let's knock this out a little early, guys. Like, how about we try that? (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that is important, because again, a lot of this does stem from the conversation about What is the impact of burnout? Is it based in the workplace? Is this work-related? Most often, yes. (laughs) We're all working so hard. And that's the difference, right? Like, again, back to the beginning, the difference between burnout and another type of, like, mental health situation is 
it's usually work-related. It is usually stemming from your work environment, the work that you're doing, the people you work with. That is usually where it's like rising to the top. Yeah. So what can you or as an employee or your organization start doing to help prevent this from becoming present in all of your team and your employees? (laughs) Um, I think one thing that I find to be really important is having those feedback opportunities and having those discussions, whether it's you as a manager with your team, kind of approaching it from an empathetic perspective of like, what are your priorities? Not just always being like, what's next? Right. What are you, what are you, what else are you doing? Right. Tell me more. Exactly. You said all the things, what else? Like that gives someone a sense of like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Right. And it's important for you to, you know, be frank in that sense of, hey, I'm empathetic to understand that this is something that might cause a red flag for you or asking the right questions of like, what is it that you need or what is it that you're striving for? If you're not having those conversations in your one-on-ones or on a quarterly basis, that should be something that you start talking about. It's like, you know, what's your career path? What is it that you want to achieve? And then actively pursuing that and helping them toward those goals. Right. Right. And learning what, like, what it is that makes them who they are, too. Like, if you can identify an overachiever just by having conversations with them, what are you doing to support them in in figuring out how to slow down a little bit and reframing the way that you're having those conversations? Like, overachievers are great because they're some of the best employees because they're always producing. and Mm -hmm. And I don't think overachiever is a bad thing by any means. I think that those people are always going to be looking for a way to improve. They're always going to be looking for a way to show you that they know what the heck they're doing. But your job as the manager or the supervisor is to say, like, okay, where do we cut this off? Like, where do we say, like, you're doing great? Stop there. (laughs) And like, and thanks for all the work you do. (laughs) And just like in ending it there. And I think that that is on the person who acknowledges that that person is an overachiever or goal-oriented or all of those things that are good things, but how do we slow the rate of burnout by helping them have different kinds of conversations? Totally agree. And then encouraging employees to take advantage of their paid time off. Yes, this is so important. (laughs) And additionally setting the precedent as a manager or as the CEO. I recently listened to a podcast that talked about from a company culture standpoint to set that good example, take the PTO yourself because then your team will do the same. They're like, well, Joanne's in Aruba. That means that it's okay for me to, you know, go visit my family in Alaska because I haven't seen them in seven years because I've been trying to grow this company. Right. Small (laughs) things like that. (laughs) Totally normal example. But I think also like refraining from sending emails at 1 a.m. or expecting responses from your employees during off hours. I think a lot of things that I see now, whether it's like in articles or just like some a conversation that I keep seeing popping up, it may be like the companies that I follow. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. On all of my social media channels. (laughs) But I think a lot of companies are starting to implement this new mode of you know, you, our time with you is the set time that we've decided you're working for us and everything outside of that is your time. And right. so it needs to be your time. And so get, do it. Do yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you do you. And like, 
props. I think it's France that said like it's actually like written in the work rules, whatever those are actually called, of like you can't check or respond to email outside of your work hours. And I imagine things come up obviously, but I think like that's a really strong stance to take as as a country to say that this is how we will operate and this is how we will and I think that's like kind of a European thing too, like mm-hmm. the month-long vacations and all of those things. Like that is the mentality around taking care of yourself and understanding that work shouldn't rule all. Yeah. Um, so big ups to them. I think it's like exceeding that expectation of I can say no. It's like no to working outside work time. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to implement. I know past burnout, current free life of you know, stress and still stressed. Um, but, but different kinds. Different kind. No, it's a little bit of just everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm not, you know, a rocket scientist. There, I, I'm not putting out any fires. Right. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm going to respond. Like, again, I think we talked about this in a past episode of, like, just because someone texted me doesn't mean I'm required to respond to them right now. Right that minute. It's like, I'm in the middle of something. I will get to you. Yeah. And I think that that's like, in all of this, like the conversation around how you avoid burnout and then how an organization or your employer helps you avoid burnout, like it takes both sides of this equation. And I think if you don't feel comfortable, I think it goes right back to that conversation of, is this the right place for you? Mm -hmm. If you don't feel, are you feeling like you're not comfortable enough to say what you need to avoid this? And is that being put on you by the employer or are you putting that on yourself? Like it takes a lot of that self-awareness and internal to really look at like, what are the factors at play here? How am I talking about this? How am I being supported? And what am I asking for? And what do I not feel comfortable asking for? It's like this endless kind of cycle of questions that you that you actually do need to have answers to in order to take a step in a direction. Yeah, I think it's important. You need to know what environment and what, you know, mental space you work best in mm-hmm. and being very clear about how to fulfill those needs. Exactly. Exactly. It's I mean, this is I think this is a topic that so many people are talking about today, but until you take a minute to kind of figure out like how to identify it. And that's why I was excited to do this one is because I think having the tools to help learn to what to to identify it and then ways to avoid it, like these are these are the things that you're gonna want to use to take the next step to figure out like, am I a person who's like speeding toward a brick wall? I had no idea. And it's like everybody around you did. So maybe <laughs> maybe have like a little bit more check-in moment with your friends, your family your employer, all of those things to help you not get to that point that this person got to in that one article that was like, she was happy. Like, that's what I can't shake is that she was like, I was happy. Yeah. And like, that's so scary that you can perceive what you're what you're experiencing as happiness. And then all of a sudden it all stops. You're like, ooh, too much. So scary. So I think like if, if I took anything away from all of this, it is like it shows up in totally different ways for every single person. And I think it's a, another thing to mention that it's a continued work in progress. You're, for sure. You're always going like the best thing that you can do is to, as these things come up, I recognize this. What am I doing to prevent this? Right. Exactly. It's a lot to chew on, guys. (laughs) So if you have, like, ways that you 
look at avoiding it? Or if you've already had these conversations with your supervisors and how did it go? Like, what did you learn? What did they learn? Like, we want to hear from everybody about what this has looked like for them. I think it's a really good, important conversation that comes from being open and talking about it with the people around you. So let us know. Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.